Well, thanks, Greg and, and team, for kicking us off. Isn't it cool that, I know I've said it before, but that we get to not only hear the truths of the gospel from the scriptures, but to sing the truths of the gospel with our mouths. That's awesome. So thank you, all of our music worship leaders and teams, for leading us in that way to worship God in that way. How are we doing, West Bend family? You doing well? You awake? Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, I'm kind of awake here. But hey, my name is Ryan. If we don't know each other, think of Troy, but in Jackson, and then you have me. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be up here with you this morning to share from the scriptures. And I'm excited to continue our, our series, Saturate, where we're looking at being disciples of Jesus and all the everyday stuff of life. Now, if I were to show you, for those of you who don't know me as well, if I were to say I'm going to show you a, a picture of my family, what would you expect to see? So someone said, my, my family, yeah, my wife, what else? For those of you who know me. My kids. Yeah, you'd expect to see my bride, Libby, if you put up that first picture. You'd expect to see this. My bride, Libby, my daughter, Maya, my son, Benjamin, and, and then myself. That's my family, right? Or that's what we would expect. What if I told you, though, that I had six brothers, eight sisters, and countless nieces and nephews, like lots of them, scores of them, oodles of them. What would you think? Someone would say, wow, yeah, my poor mother. <laughs> right? No, some of you would think that I'm either lying or I'm trying to play a joke on you, right? Here, I want to put up this next picture. So see, this is my family also. And just as much of my family, we have, uh, we have down at the bottom there, Evelyn and Levi, and we have Jessica, and we see Matt doing like this thing on the upper left, right? He looks scary. And then you have myself and my bride and, and my missional community family. Now, not all of us were there. Some were sick. There's about three. I still have to figure out how to Photoshop in, kind of doing a silly pose, if anyone can help me with that. Anyways, but this is my family. Here's the deal. Society would say the first picture is my family and the second picture is my friends. The scriptures would say it's all my family. And this morning as we continue our series, Saturate, we're trying to be Jesus, uh, saturated by the personal work of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. It's essential that we understand our nature as family. So this morning we're going to look at our identity as sons and daughters of God with a shared father. We're going to look at, because of that, we have a whole new set of brothers and sisters who we're called to love, and that through loving those brothers and sisters as family, there are people outside the family who will come also to know the love of the father, be adopted as his sons and daughters. That's where we're headed this morning. And as we do, I want you guys to join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truths that we're about to look at. And I pray that the Spirit would be gracious, that you would allow our hearts to receive and understand and apply at a deep level the truths we're talking about to where it will not just uh, be in our head, but move to our heart and then be lived out in our hands where we would love each other as family. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's where we've been the past two weeks. If you haven't been with us, the messages are online, but here's where we've been quickly. Week one, we saw that the saturate purpose, to be a people saturated with the person of Jesus, we need to know that God's glory was shown to God's people that it might go to all people. We talked about God's glory being, in essence, Jesus. So Jesus was shown to His people so that He could take them to those who are not yet His people. 
Whatever way helps you understand it better, go with it. Week two, we looked at last week that people saturated with the person of Jesus affects our attitude towards sin in three ways. We've been saved from the penalty of sin in the past. We no longer have to seek to earn the favor of the Father. We already have it. We are being saved from the power of sin. We can show the weightiness of God in our lives and actually choose to live for Him here and now, not just in eternity. One day we'll be saved from the very presence of sin where we will live and be with our Savior, Jesus, for all of eternity. This morning and the next three weeks, we're going to look at three essential aspects of our identity as a people of God in order to be saturated by the power and presence of Jesus. One, that we're family. Two, that we're servants. Three, that we're missionaries. This morning we're going to look at being family. So I want to invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 3 in the scriptures that you have. 1 John chapter 3, it's page 863 in the Bible that you have. 1 John chapter 3. We're just going to look at one verse to start. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. <laughs> this passage tells us that God's great love in the person and work of Jesus Christ has been lavished on us. The Creator of the heavens and the earth calls us through our faith in His Son, sons and daughters of God. And if we were to look at the Scriptures, it's not as if He calls us that if we do enough right, prove that we're, we're good enough, because that's not possible. It's not based on anything we do. It's based on His sheer love for us shown in Christ. And just like Abraham, when we believe it's credited to us that we are His sons, that we are His daughters. If you look at this first slide here, they put up this next one, Chris. That's the first truth in the triangle that I want us to see this morning. That we are sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ of a new father. Being a part of a new family. This past fall, I got to know a gentleman whose name is Ricky. Ricky's kind of somewhat of a celebrity in Jackson. In the sense of he's well known and he's well liked. Um, Ricky has some cognitive limitations that make it difficult for him to communicate beyond yes and no, high and by. He also has some physical limitations that, you know, his body doesn't work like mine does, but he'll often be seen riding around Hickory Park on his tricycle, and he's always got a smile. He's always willing to stop and engage and say hi. He likes to watch our soccer practices. That's kind of how I got to know him. He's a great guy. Well, anyways, so one day he's, he's over and he's watching our soccer practice and then he begins to go around Hickory Park on his trike and my son and another one of his teammates get into this kind of heated exchange where I hear my son say, hey, don't do that. And, you know, here I am, I'm ready to go over and kind of tell him who's boss or whatever, discipline him because he's acting out of line here. He even kicked his teammate's ball away. They were doing a dribbling drill. He's like, <laughs> right, kicks it out of line. I'm like, what are you doing here? Well, so I go over and I debrief, and my son tells me two things that help the truth about who God is go from my head to my heart in a brand new way. The first 
thing he said, which isn't what made this happen, is he said, I wanted to punch him. Now, that's not what made the truth about God go from my head to a heart in a new way. There, I, was, I wasn't like justice, right? I was like, no, I don't want to teach my son to punch his teammate. But when you hear about the second reason, you'll understand a little bit more why he would say that. Here's what had happened. Ricky had fallen off his tricycle. The teammate with my son was beginning to make fun of him. And my son said, hey, don't do that. And he wanted to punch him in the face because he wanted to stand up for those who couldn't stand up for himself. And then he said the next thing that brought a truth about God from my head to my heart in a new way. He said, I wanted to run over and help Ricky get back up. And friends, God the Father. We're, we are like, spiritually speaking, Ricky, where in the, in the bike of life we've fallen off. Right? We've fallen off and God the Father knows and He sees and He does actually run over to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He lavishes His love on us to such a degree that the, the penalty of sin doesn't count against us. The power of sin can be overcome in this life and the very presence of sin one day will be dealt with when we're with Him forever. So great a love has the Father lavished on us that we might be called children of God. Indeed, that is what we are. Isn't that great news? That's awesome news. And friends, I don't know what your relationship was like with your earthly father. Mine, if you hear my story, was one of continual disappointment. But here's what I do know. You have a heavenly Father who offers you an unconditional love relationship where He'll never leave or forsake you, where He's always present, always available. He'll never back out of His promises. This is simply amazing. This is amazing. Might the Spirit allow our hearts to believe that through faith in Jesus alone, we are sons and daughters of a new Father, our heavenly Father. Because it's this experience and this realization in our heart of that truth that's going to allow us to do what's next on the triangle. It's that that's going to allow us to love our brothers and sisters as family. Having experienced the deep love of God the Father, we're then empowered to love our spiritual family, our brothers and sisters with that same love. Flip over one page to First John 4. And look at verses 7 through 11 with me. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love amongst us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love another, love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. And we could spend time kind of dissecting what this passage means, looking at different parts of it, the bottom line, it says, is that if we're a son or daughter of God through faith in Christ, then we're called to love other sons and daughters of God who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We are part of a new family with new brothers and sisters that we are called to love as family. 
the other day I, I found a chest freezer on Craigslist that I needed to go pick up. And so I was thinking about texting a couple family members. When I say family members, I mean group members from my missional community. I was thinking about texting a couple family members, and right when I thought about it, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And then I'd think about it again, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And then I'd think about it, and finally I sent the text, hey, I, I found a chest freezer on Craigslist. I need someone to go help me pick it up. Here's my question. Why did I hesitate? Because I'm sure you're not too different than me. Maybe you are. Why did I hesitate? I thought I'd be imposing on them. Maybe I thought or some of us might think that if we do something like that, then we're indebted to return and do something for somebody else like that. You know, we don't want to put anyone out. We don't want to create stress, whatever we'd fill in the blank with. But here's the deal. If that's true in my heart, what does that say about my thinking in return? What does that say? You're not in your head, so I know you're going along with my line of reasoning. What does that say? I, do you say I'm sinful? That's very true. Oh, selfish. That's very true, too. <laughs> yeah, what it means is if I don't want to put anyone out, conversely, I don't want to be put out. If I don't want to kind of inconvenience or be indebted, it's because I don't want to have to return the favor, right? I mean, we are an individualistic people. I am an individualistic person. And, you know, I want to, in a sense, love people when it's convenient for me, when it makes sense for me, but not when it doesn't. Maybe it says that I want to love people on my terms. I want to love them when I see them Sunday. I want to love them maybe when I see them as our gathered missional community time or you fill in the blank triads huddled men's group women's group discipleship group but honestly maybe i don't really want to love them outside of those events and you know as i was thinking about this i was like is this what jesus did for me is this what he did for us did he love us out of convenience you know fast forward a couple weeks was jesus like okay football season's done don't really like the nba so now's the time to take on flesh it's pretty convenient I don't think that's really how he looked at it, right? I think Romans 5 tells us at just the right time while we were still powerless, and that means against sin, that Christ died for us. There's nothing convenient about love. This is why it's essential to get what 1 John says about that. Who does it say is the source of love? God. God the Father. That's why it's so important to experience and continue to experience the truth that we're sons and daughters of God the Father through our faith in His Son because that's what's going to continually empower us to reorient our hearts and minds to love our spiritual family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think we as a, as a family, all three sites put into this, we have a lot of people who want to love God through loving Others, But as I look into the future, there's two things in particular that I think we need to wrestle with. Two things that maybe have become more weighty in some of our individual lives and families than the weightiness of God. If you put up that first picture, please. Okay, what do we see here? We see a dad, we see a mom, we see a son, we see a daughter. This might as well be me. You've got the perfect nuclear family. Right? And when I mean nuclear family, I mean mom, dad, kids up here. And friends, if we want to be a people saturated with Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, we've got to reframe how we see family. 
We've got to not place and have our nuclear family as an idol in opposition and over our spiritual family. Here's what this looked like for me, because this is what I used to do. I would put my phone up at 5 p.m. and turn it off. Okay? I guarded much of my free time for my nuclear family alone, telling others that I or we weren't available. My home was my sanctuary castle, right? So having people over violated that. I did many things, or we did many things alone that we could have done together. And there were some false beliefs that led to these actions. First, I believed that what was best for my family was time alone, just me and them. And here's the deal. This was kind of out of a sincere desire because I wanted to parent intentionally and with purposefulness that I lacked when I was raised by a single mom. But I made it all about solo nuclear family time together. Here's the deal. What am I teaching my kids when I do that? If I would just continue to do that, what am I teaching my kids? Who's most important? They are. What's most important? We are. What's family? We are. It's a lot of me, myself, and I in that, isn't there? Here's a good diagnostic. See, I had to, remember a couple weeks back when Mike talked about doing the shub? That just stuck with me. Doing the shub. He talked about repentance and doing the shub. I had to do the shub of viewing my nuclear family as more weighty than God and his extended family, than my brothers and sisters in Christ. And really, loving my brothers and sisters in Christ on my terms. Here's a pretty easy diagnostic to see if you might need to do the shub regarding your nuclear family too. If you put up this next image, please. What do you guys see here? This isn't mine, by the way. What do you see? A calendar, right? You see a calendar. And a calendar is another one of, I think, these idols that has the tendency to become more weighty in our lives than God. You know, it's kind of like man was created for the Sabbath, not, or Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The same could be said for our calendar, but if we're not careful, they end up running our lives. Your time and what times are open to God and your brothers and sisters in Christ is a good indicator of your willingness to love and to live as family. See, in order to be a people saturated by Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, we're going to need to do the shub of busying up our calendars with everything and everyone so that we don't have any free time available for our family. Let me give you a, a rather absurd example to make a point. Imagine you were to sit down with your nuclear family and you were to sit down, say it sometime during the week, and decide upon a two-hour chunk where all the needs of your family could be met for that week. And you decide, okay, we got it. It's Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Okay, you decide it's Tuesday. Monday morning rolls around. One of your kids comes and says, Mom, Dad, I need some clean underwear. And you're like, Come on, son. It's not Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30. Turn them inside out. Get with it. Buck up. You're like, that hits a little close to home. We'll try another one. (laughs) Your spouse comes to you and they say, honey, it's Thursday now. Your spouse comes to you and says, I really want to talk to you about something that happened at, at work today. And you're like, honey, come on. It's Thursday. It's going to have to wait until next Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. 
Or say you've got a little one who you're potty training. And it's like the first days in their big girl pants or big boy pants. And you hear, uh-oh. And you're like, well, son, daughter, it's only Saturday. So we're just going to imagine that we didn't hear that uh-oh, right? Now, these are absurd examples that we wouldn't do. But if we wouldn't do that with our nuclear family, how is that too different than potentially what we do with our groups? with our spiritual family. We have a time and a place that we meet and we expect all the spiritual, emotional, physical, relational needs to be met in that two hours. And if it's outside of that, we're like, sorry, it's going to have to wait until we meet next time. And I get it. I get it. We work hard. I work hard. And you say, well, that's easy for you to say, Ryan. You have a lot of time available that I don't have. And you are right in that I have a lot of daytime hours available where I pastorally counsel people, where I meet with people, where all of that happens. But by and large, you know when I quote-unquote do life with my missional community family? It's usually breakfast before the work work day begins. It's evenings and it's weekends. And you know why that is? They work. That's the times they have available. Right, So I have to flex to my family's schedule to where we can learn to love one another and be family with one another outside of just our group meeting time. And, and guys, we need to assess and look at how much of our free time individually or as spiritual family and groups is open to God. How much is open to God? And pursuing and furthering our relationships with those who are spiritual family with us and how much of us is cut off. And to this point, you know, if, if we aren't in a group of some sort, a discipleship group, a small group, a missional community, men's, women's, whatever, you name it, could it be that one of those two things listed already has too much weight in our lives? Our nuclear family, our calendar, or both. What would it look like to eat together in our groups? Or as a couple, people from our groups on a regular basis, what would it look like to join a kickball, softball, a bowling league together and have fun recreating one another, with one another? What would it look like to regularly serve and build relationships with the same group of people with one another? What would it look like to stay connected with your group members outside of group time via text, via email, via call, via physical time together? What would it look like to take vacations together and be refreshed with one another? And some of you guys are like, that's crazy talk. Okay, but what would that look like? What would it look like to eat with friends or neighbors together with those in your spiritual family or your groups? What would it look like to co-op on date nights so that you didn't have to pay a babysitter but could swap back and forth or celebrate anniversaries and birthdays and holidays to deal with conflict as it arises rather than pretending it's not there or sweeping it under the rug? What would it look like to live as family with our brothers and sisters in Christ? A simple thing that we did in our missional community, we had four of our missional community members going off to Russia on the team that went this past fall. And so during a group meeting time, we took 10 to 15 minutes and said, what would it look like to love these people as they go off as family? And what would it look like to love the families they leave behind as family as they go? This was not like rocket science. We came up with pray for them, reach out to them, do, make meals for them, 
Maybe have play dates with one another. I mean, this was simple stuff, but it started with the question, what would it look like to live as family? What would it look like to live as family in our groups when a financial crisis comes up? What would it look like to live as family when a uh, physical or some sort of medical issue comes up? What would it look like to live as family when someone's really struggling emotionally? What would it look like to live as family when someone's job is so demanding that it takes them away from home? What would it look like to live in our groups as family? Another simple thing we did, which was no big deal, a lot of other groups do things like it. We had a Valentine's Day dinner, and the men cooked for the women, and that's not really that special. But we gathered then around, good food, good drink, and then we shared one funny story about how kind of we met and our relationship. And then we affirmed our brides with one thing that we were thankful to God for about them. Another thing that we try and do is we try and have triads or discipleship groups meet, mostly from those who are already in our missional community family. There's some that aren't, but so that we can have the most touches with the same amount of people because we want to try and learn what it looks like to live as family. We don't have this figured out. I surely don't. But we're trying to learn more and more what does it look like to live as family with those people in our groups? What would it look like, Kettlebrook, if we began, all of us, to do the same thing, where the love of God shown in the person and work of Jesus and the fact that we're sons and daughters of the Father so rocked our hearts that we'd be willing to lay down the idol of our nuclear family, that we'd be willing to lay down the idol of our calendar and busyness and allow God and His weight to be shown in the way we interact and how often we interact with our spiritual family. And here's why this is so important. We've we got to get this if we're going to be a people saturated by the power and the presence of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. Here's why. If you go to John with me, please. Yeah, I'm going to have you go next slide. Thank you, Chris. John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you know one another. Keep that up a second. Read 35 with me, please. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you get that? There's nothing more contagious than a group of people who love supernaturally, who love outside of what the world would say, when it's convenient, when people don't bug us, when you name everything that comes after it, because it shows the love of the Father. See, we need to think about what does it look like to love each other, because in loving each other, we say to the watching world that God is real, that He has weight in our lives, and you know what happens if you put up that triangle before, Chris? Then people who are outside of the family, people who are pre-family, you know what happens? They're like, this God must be real. They place their faith and trust in the Father, become His son and daughter, become part of a spiritual family in the circle, triangle, excuse me, I don't know my shapes. The triangle keeps going and going. This is how it's designed to be. Friends, this in small part, trying to be family, is why we're doing communion differently in here and in Jackson to try and represent this spiritual truth. And now the the Saturday book we're we're selling, it's it's great for casting vision of what this looks like, telling stories of it. Another resource is um, the Celtic Way of Evangelism, 
which chronicles the story of St. Patrick and going to the Celts in Ireland and how, you know what they would do? They got a group of people who were sons and daughters of God, knew this love, and then they gathered them together in community and then they added people to those communities who didn't yet follow. And you know what happened? They began to follow Jesus and the triangle kept going or going or going. All through God's people showing His weight, His love to each other and others being a part of that. I want to show you a video by Jeff Vanderstelt talking about this a little bit more and then I'll get back up and close. Now, I watch videos like that and I'm like, what a great vision. Some of you might watch a video like that or hear a message like this and be scared to death. But it's a good scare, friends. See, the gathering, the Sunday morning gathering, it's good. It's not bad. It's good. It's just insufficient in itself. Our gatherings as missional communities and small groups and whatever, those gathered times, they're great. They're part of it. They're just insufficient in and of themselves. We need an all-of-life type of following of Jesus because discipleship happens best as we go in life. We can't schedule it. Just like you can't schedule a diaper change or whatever, right? It just happens. You've got to deal with it. That's what discipleship is like. Stuff happens and we have to respond to it. What would it look like, family, if we didn't depend upon our gatherings alone, if we didn't depend upon our pastors alone, if we didn't depend upon our programs alone to show and tell the love of the Father to a watching world, but we became family who lived life together, loved one another in such a way that when people saw it, when they experienced it, when they were a part of it, they would say, I want to know your God too. Now, I had the privilege to be a part of a group this past week where I feel like this is happening, where God is working and moving in this way. I talked to someone who's in my missional community who's newer to following Christ, newer to our group this year, and they said it's an absolute joy to be a part of this family. Friends, we don't have this figured out, but may we continue to move in this way, knowing our identity as sons and daughters of the Father, dearly loved by Him, so that we can love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as family, so that we might show a watching world who doesn't yet follow Him that our God is real. They might come to know the love of our Father, too. I'm going to pray in a minute, but before I do, I want to talk about a couple resources we have, because after I pray, I'm going to have to leave for Iwasco. A couple resources we have. Uh, we are, have been and will continue to sell the Saturate book by Jeff Vanderstelt. We have it for, on sale for $10. That's a great overall vision for what a life that includes family and these other things we're talking about in this series looks like. In fact, we're borrowing the vision in a sense. This isn't original to me. It's not original to Kettlebrook. I'd strongly encourage you to get that book and to read through that. It's called Saturate Being Disciples of Jesus in the Everyday Stuff of Light. We have two print resources that would be helpful to think about these messages on a deeper level outside of this time. And if you're in a group, these next three weeks, especially with that trifold, family, servant, missionaries, is going to be especially helpful. So take that with you. There's another document that has kind of rhythms to be a saturate people, how we could eat to show the glory of God, how we could listen, how we could bless, how we could hear and tell stories, all that kind of stuff. If that's of interest to you, the practical nuts and bolts of kind of what it looks like to live as family in this, we're going to have a conference February 18th from 9 a.m. to noon here at the Kettlebrook Community Center. You should have an insert on that. I'd encourage you to pray about maybe being part of that. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you that you have been gracious to us.
that you have lavished your love on us in the person and work of Jesus to the point where we are your sons and daughters. May that change our hearts to the point where we're able to, not even out of convenience, not when it works for us, but when you call us to, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as family. May our groups function like family, where someone in our group is every much every bit as much a brother or a sister or a a father or a mother or a niece or a nephew as those who are our biological family. Might we love one another to the end that those who experience and and see that love lived out would say, man, i got to be a part of that and I want to be a part of following their God. We pray it for your glory and our good. Amen.